Welcome back to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today is two-time Arena Football League MVP, Tyler Palmatier. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm, I'm really good. It's Thursday, and can't really complain. It's good. Football's almost here. Mm-hmm. Bye week was a little bit, uh, you know, it's good. It's a good little refresh, I'm sure, for you as well. Right. You went on a trip. I'm assuming went, all went well. You're here. Oh, well, well, I made it back. Mm-hmm. Nashville's a fun place. I, I liked it. I've heard. I've heard. Um, so, OU and Texas Tech taking on each other. Rooster kick, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Not a – are you a fan of these 11 a.m. kickoffs? I always find a, sort of the glass half full no matter what the kick is. Me personally, like, if it's at 7, you have the whole morning to kind of relax – you know, for an 11 a.m. kick, you have to wake up earlier, but then you kind of have the night free, which is people in, in sports journalism are always happy to have and because it's such a rarity. Um, so I like them. It'll be nice to have one when you get like four in a row. The energy gets kind of sucked out of the stadium, and that's not fun. No, it's, it, You know, night games, there's a little more energy around. So I would assume that OU is probably going to go on a run here. Of 11 a.m. kickoffs because Kansas next week is Texas is the week after, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia was also an early kickoff. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like that's going to be pegged for prime time the way that the Mountaineer season is going. Right. Unless of course, I mean, this whole Fox deal seems like so Fox has pivoted to switching their big game of the week to noon, and they have their Fox big noon kickoff, and it seems like it's doing pretty well, and that's the reason why OU's playing at 11 a.m is that they're pegging this OU-Texas Tech game as the big game of the week on the Fox network. Mm-hmm. So interesting there that they chose this one, and obviously I think OU's going to draw a lot of interest in Texas Tech. I don't feel like we know a whole lot about. They played um, some not great competition to this point. I mean, you, you play UTEP, you play Arizona, um, but it doesn't feel like the Red Raiders, a lot is quite known about them in year one of Matt Wells, uh, the pride of Salisaw. But... Going into this one, pretty crazy that their pass defense is. I mean, they haven't played great teams, but no, their passing number, their their pass defensive numbers are are really impressive. Texas Tech is currently ranked, I think, seventh in the country in pass defense. They're holding teams to about 133 yards per game, which, once again, not playing the best of competition, but uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a revenge game for Kerry Cooks coming back to Norman, who's making somewhat of a homecoming after spending four years on. Lincoln Riley and Bob Soups' staffs, and it's going to be interesting to see how these how this uh, these OU receivers get challenged more and more because I think, you know, Houston and UCLA and South Dakota, it's not the best of competition. Although shout out UCLA, I don't know if you stayed up until two a.m. on Saturday night watching uh, the UCLA Bruins win something like sixty three to sixty over Washington State. Sixty seven, sixty three. Sixty seven, sixty three. Excuse me. I'm just I make mistakes. I make mistakes. I can be. I'm just I'm, saying. I'm the fact. I'm the. I can be a fact checker. Big fact check guy. Big fact check guy. Big fat guy. Um, fact. Fact. But, um. Yeah. So OU though, the, the this is a defense that I do think it, it's probably. Here's another fact check. Texas Tech is actually third in the country in passing yards allowed. Whoa. I mean, I just sort of. I don't care. Three three games in, who you're playing, unless you're just really loading up on like FCS teams. That's. That's oh, pretty impressive. I think I got mixed up. I think OU is ranked seventh nationally in third down conversion defense or third down defense, whatever you want to call it. 
Mm-hmm. Like teams are converting 23% of the time on third down against mm-hmm. OU, which is good for Oklahoma, but is that a sustainable thing? That they could, if it is sustainable, I think OU's got a really good shot at doing some great things this season, but I, I would assume that's probably not going to keep up or hold true. Another good thing is we'll we'll, fi- we'll start to kind of find out all these things starting Saturday. Uh, Texas Tech, I guess, feels like kind of a shell of themselves uh, without Cliff Kingsbury there, without – even though those past last few years with Kingsbury were sort of bleh, it seemed like they always were capable of scoring – and, but now it's, you know, they're still with Bowman. They were still flinging it around and scoring, you know, upward, you know, close to forty points a game. It's just going to be a week to week thing, you know. I think if OU has a good defensive performance, the a lot of people are going to say, well, this wasn't the same Texas Tech team. Definitely not. Alan Bowman being out with a shoulder injury is not great, and it's honestly kind of a bummer because we got to see a little bit of Alan Bowman last year against OU. Um, didn't finish the game, kind of re-injured that like collapsed lung or partially collapsed lung. And we saw some Jet Duffy, who I guess Jet Duffy probably is the guy in line to be Texas Tech's quarterback at this point. He was the one who uh, has, has seen probably more time of the two. Him and uh, Jackson Tyner, of the, he's a Rice graduate transfer in his first year at Texas Tech and hasn't really seen the field. I would assume Jet, being the more experienced guy, probably gets it. But, you know, he poses a threat to Oklahoma. I mean, he, he's a guy that can run the ball a little bit. And, I mean, oh, you did a great job, I think, of containing Derek King, a guy we'll probably talk a little bit about more later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But um, the quarterback situation, it, it's – it's not ideal from a standpoint, and you got to feel bad for Alan Bowman, who just can't seem to stay healthy and just seems like he has a lot of potential that just can't be realized because he can't stay on the field. But I still think Texas Tech can make this competitive ball game with some of the with some of the guys that they have around him. TJ Basher is going to be a huge test for these corners, and I mean for this for for the safeties as well. But uh, this OU secondary is probably still one of the bigger question marks is something we don't really know a whole lot about or at least they have not I don't think taken those strides as we've kind of seen with the defensive front and the linebackers have kind of made I think have turned a little bit of a corner but it's very early in the season things Um, are going to change when they get their new starting safety Trajan Bridges into the mix what an insane story and I'm not going to lie I when I saw that on Monday morning uh, or when I saw like the teleconference with Lincoln Riley and someone asked him about it. I was like, what are we doing here? Talking about rumors. And then I looked more into it. I was like, oh, they're they're legit. I was a little checked out over the weekend as far as that goes outside of a couple stories that I kind of had to react to. Uh, so I didn't – I wasn't aware until like late Sunday night, really early Monday morning about what was actually going on. I thought when I saw it Sunday night that it, that it was just complete BS. And then uh, – Sunday or Monday morning woke up and listened to talk radio and heard it again and was like oh this is this is a thing that has happened and so here we are like he's you know Trajan Bridges is experimenting at safety I think that's kind of cool I don't think it's a permanent thing based on what Lincoln Riley said he's and been very deflected nobody has yeah yeah nobody has downplayed it more than him it, Monday was such a weird day because I felt like those rumors kind of mostly got shot down by Briley himself, except for he left a little bit of wiggle room 
referring to a permanent position, referring to experimenting with players, and then there was, you know, the I, the fact that he, uh, we get to practice later in the day, and he's and like Alex Grinch is just like, yeah, he pro- he played with the defense today, and everybody was just talking about it, and it was, I it was sort of a head a mind bender. I want to know how many times during the bye week that this happens. Because it sounds like Trajan Bridges went to, or at least what Alex Grinch says, is that Bridges went to went to OU and kind of requested this. But I want to know how much it probably happens over the bike, because it seems like that would be the week to do it, just to experiment with it. And Lincoln Riley said himself, like, you know, this is something we do kind of often as we experiment with guys at different spots. But, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I don't think Trajan Bridges is a long-term safety or... He's not going to switch positions completely. And he could. He could. Um, but I, I don't expect that to be – I don't know. I just don't expect that to be the case. You don't it, think that's going to happen. It, it would be odd for OU to bring in a five-star, and they brought in three of them, so it's not like you're losing your one guy. But to bring in a five-star receiver and never have him be at that position would just be very odd. And, I mean, also, I mean, it just would – I feel like when OU gets a five star, and I don't, I don't want to like put a curse on Spencer Rattler or anything, but I just feel like five stars haven't worked out too well at OU, and mm-hmm. they, I've had some some luck, but I mean, I feel like the most recent example uh, with just Brendan Radley Hiles, and maybe it's too early to kind of say the story on him or you know what his overall how we think of Brendan Radley Hiles when he's done at OU, but so far it's just. He hasn't really lived up to that billing, but he has so much time to make up for it. But if he's a guy that's supposed to be a five-star, uh, which you would presume that would be a dude that would be done with college after three years and go on to the NFL, and I don't think anyone's probably thinking of him as like a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate, let alone you know an NFL prospect after next season. And so it would be strange for Trajan Bridges to to make that move, and especially he's not even the guy that's not getting playing time. It's Theo Weiss of the trio of five-star receivers. We've seen Trajan Bridges come out in special team packages. We've seen Jaden Hazelwood actually crack that receiver lineup. But Theo Weiss is the guy that's kind of the one that's left out. I don't think Theo Weiss is going to make the position change, but I, I just I think it's interesting. But it does kind of make you, I guess, I don't know if appreciate what his – mindset is he wants to do something if Trajan genuinely was the one who went to the coaches and was like hey I want to switch positions you got to commend that or at least respect it yeah I think he's sounds like he's a guy who a little bit of a just a a great overall athlete and I mean that's goes without saying but I, I mean I'm I think he's somebody who if this were a different era could play both sides of the ball in a game I think in this era we're in is a guy who could play safety this year to help them and then come back and play receiver next year when uh they need him there a little bit more because there's just I mean there's not it's hard to get a a lot of targets in the offense right now that OU has with the way they throw the ball around and to different people they're just it is the most it is as the production is as spread as thin across the board I feel like as long as uh Lincoln Riley's been here so Maybe his thinking is, I can help us this year to do this and I'll go back to receiver. And it sounds like he's somebody who is, based on what Grinch and Riley say, are is capable of doing that. And it's it's a kind of a cool thing to see. Um, 
And I don't think it's that uncommon to, for them to move guys around. And when I say move guys around, I, I don't, you know, I don't believe that OU's coaches move guys. I mean, that's what Lincoln said yesterday. Was we don't move guys. Guys, we talk about position changes. They come to us or we come to them with a suggestion and we agree on it. Like, players don't just get moved. I mean, you start moving guys that don't want to be where the, in that spot, that's going to work out poorly on a bunch of different levels from recruiting to – I mean, you you have somebody playing linebacker who doesn't want to be there. It's probably not going to be a very good linebacker. So – I hope we see Trajan Bridges at safety. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I think it's a it is not as big a story as maybe you know we the media have made it, but I mean we're going to write about it. It's as Lincoln says, it's not as big a story as maybe we've made it, but also it's not a it's not worth downplaying. It's a five-star receiver that came in and he wants to move to help OU OU's defense. And it's sort of it, it makes a lot of sense. Like OU is overstocked on offense and understocked on defense. And here you have a guy who's like, Hey, I'll go help over there. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great, great story. I mean, it makes sense considering I remember watching the first game and if you pay attention to like, who's on the the kickoff team, I mean, they've got some offensive guys on that side and Trajan Bridges was one that stood out to me. I was like, that's, I mean, that's ba- you're basically saying if he's on your kickoff team, that he's not going to red shirt this year. He's just going to be a part of that group. And he had a, he had a, pretty big hit um in one game but you know Trajan it's just going to be interesting to see where OU goes from here and what kind of depth he can provide because you know I don't I don't want to say that Delaren Turner Yell and Patrick Fields are are terrible or bad by any means but I mean they just you're saying they're terrible and bad I don't want to say that I don't want to say that they're the, 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 the I think it's way too early to to say how good or how bad this OU secondary can be I don't think the you think OU secondary is bad. You know, I think some. This is how I would. This is how I would be if I were in like a one of the one of the biased media groups, like on political news. I would lead. This is how I would conduct an interview. The little, little I would bully my subjects. Could you see yourself like being a panelist in like Fox and Friends or something like that? Just like bullying. I don't even know what that show is. To be honest, that was the first wow. political you, show that I, that came. You watch to mind. Fox and Friends? I don't. My grandmother does. I have a lot of people in my family that watch it too. <laughs> I think we have a lot of old, older relatives. You should that call prob- it Fox and Jerks. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not too friendly. No, on there's the nothing side. friendly about it. Anyways, sorry. I just. You want to be a bu- you? You want to be on like a? I mean, like I mean, I feel like ESPN, like those round tables, they can get a little vicious, like the, some yeah. of those studio shows. Yeah, that's not what I would really do. I'm just. I'm just giving you a hard time. I would never do that. I think it's, I think it's poor form. I only like polite, just cordial conversations, except I'm unfairly attacked, Tyler and then I will a, kill you. Tyler is a gentleman. I feel like you're gonna do what? What are those classes for? Uh, cotillion. I feel like I could see you like <laughs> a cotillion teacher <laughs> teaching. Is that like teaching manners and stuff? <laughs> I don't like know which way they, the fork faces. I, I would love to know if they actually still do those. Which I could, mean, I was in when I was in college. I was uh, for like a month or so. I was a houseboy for a sorority, and we had to set the table and stuff, <laughs> which sounds so crazy. That's that's what we were called, houseboys, houseboy. I and we're what, not. What came with your duties as a as a houseboy for a sorority? Like there was some light cooking. There was 
see every week or was it every day or like I wasn't there every day but there would be some cooking and some serving of the food hell we served the food I just remembered we served the food and but we set the table and so you had to set the forks and the knives just right just so everything was set and then they ate and we served the food and then of course when they left you know they're not cleaning it up we cleaned it all up and did all the dishes and we got like free food out of it and a very small very small payment and then when I finally quit I went back in one day to try and get a free meal and got a chew out got a chew out from the man in charge he said you can't do that this you quit this deal the free was, food's was over he, was the man in charge the house man he was like the house jerk I mean yeah. let's be honest what a, Some I, weird things so, came out so you later. basically were just like a servant <laughs> you were just basically hey you got to serve somebody in this life doesn't matter how you do it. Did you have to wear a uniform? I have mm. so many questions here. Just ask away. No uniform. I think we just wore street clothes, as they say. So basically, it was just cooking and cleaning. Cooking, cleaning. There was no, there were no like toe rubs, foot massages. We didn't, you know, serve them like cold sweet tea on Saturday afternoons and like cool them down with like hand fans or anything like that were you do you have to like do they have like hazing or anything like that can you talk about that no, legally there's no hazing we just we were employees this is america no, i'm just asking like like at the sorority though well like was there hazing like did you have to like prepare like did we their hazing ritual or something no like that? no this is all food dining related and gotcha. but first and i just think i don't know why but this the term for it was houseboy this is it makes it sound really honestly it's really degrading to men you think yeah i've this actually the, struggled to overcome it this is the best thing that's ever happened on this podcast it is hey i'd love to hear from other people who did this job in college how did we go from talking about trajan bridges to you being <laughs> being a houseboy i don't know that's amazing but here we are anyways uh i would say my big takeaway from the bridges thing is sort of much ado about nothing right now you just get the laughs out while i try and explain this i'm sorry much ado about nothing right now but i saw a, a video that our friends at uh friends of the podcast sooner scoop posted they were at one of his games last year where he picked off a pass and returned it like 66 yards yeah and you know eddie and those and bob and those guys um share that again and the guy looks good out there you know i It'd looks be, the part. Looks the part. And they could use an electric guy on defense like that that, you know, once he gets the ball, he's just gone. Or a guy that's just aggressive and has a little more size that can make those plays. It just It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and I, I just hope that it does happen because it would be fun to watch. I mean, it would be it would be a hell of a story for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I look forward to it. Um, Oklahoma, by the way, um, as you know, playing Texas Tech, opening up Big Twelve play this weekend, which you know, starting off with Texas Tech is a bit strange. It's the first time I think that I was looking over the Texas Tech game notes, and it's the first time the Red Raiders have ever opened up Big Twelve play with OU, which I would assume it's vice versa, um, unless OU played a week before them and played mm-hmm. a different team. But it's a it's always an interesting game. I I, I did a. I did a radio spot a few days ago, and they were asking me, like, do you, uh, 
they're asking me about this one and I just I feel like just so many weird things happened in this game like last year OU going down two touchdowns mm-hmm. and still finding a way to to win it um I mean the most memorable one probably is the Adrian Peterson touchdown that didn't count in 2005 uh 2013 or I think no not, not even 2013 2011 when an OU's home game win streak ended at the hands of Texas Tech although mm-hmm. OU also had like a really weird game with Texas Tech two years later. But it's just, it's been such a strange series that picking this game I feel like is difficult because I never know what to expect. I don't know what it is if there's just some weird energy around this these two programs. But it also is interesting to me that you have a guy in Lincoln Riley and I, I don't know how much has been written about Matt Wells. I've been kind of focused on uh, some high school football content this week. But mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it's interesting that you've. There, I mean, I don't. I don't know if this would actually happen. I feel like there's an alternate universe where, like, Matt Wells, the kid from Salisaw, is OU's head coach, and Lincoln Riley, the guy from Muleshoe, Texas, is the head coach of Texas Tech. Where I don't know if this that would ever happen in, in a weird alternate universe that those are the coaches. But although I would say that if like Lincoln Riley is not in place, Matt Wells is probably a candidate for OU when Bob Stoops is stepping down. Because if Lincoln Riley takes like the Houston job or wherever he ends up landing, I would assume Matt Wells would probably be on a short list of young and up and he- up and coming head coaches if they're not looking to the Power Five ranks mm-hmm. for for like a coordinator or something. I wonder like who that. they would have looked at. I think I'd I mean to go back and think about it. I feel like there was a, a period in time where everyone kind of thought that Justin Fuente was like the next OU head coach, Ugh. which is not looking great right now at Virginia Tech. Yeah, that. Did for a time seem like a decent scenario, but Made that sense. didn't has it. Yeah, didn't hasn't aged well going into this year. They're struggling. But Will you coach Josh Heupel once Lincoln Riley leaves for the NFL? I don't know about that one either. <laughs> I don't know. You're you know everybody thought Bob Stoops was going to be a hard act to follow. I mean, and he was. Lincoln Riley's going to be a tough act to follow. I mean, assuming whatever. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Maybe he stays here forever, but. That's a freaking tough act to follow if he just if they win a national championship and he leaves. That how do you what hire do you go out and make that cuz he's just been about perfect. Not perfect. I mean, I don't want to use perfect. That's a, a tough word to throw around, but like how much more could you have asked the guy? He kind of carried a crappy defense on his back into his first 3 years and was finally able to shake it and sort of in the middle of the rebuild. And he's made what appears to be a really good hire there. Lincoln Riley just kind of has everything going for him. Yeah. The one thing that is... A lot like me. Of course. With former, my houseboy resume. Former... You a resume that sparkles like that. You're just, what house was it? Can you say? Uh, Can you legally... I'm trying to remember. I think it was... You don't even remember. Man, they really did a number on you. Uh, I was kind of a flash in the pan. I think it was Phi Mu, which I don't even think they have at OU. I don't think they do. Sort of like one of the smaller ones. I didn't. Oh, okay. Was it was, a nice house? I was like an undrafted free agent in the houseboy draft. Of, um, I mean, they're all nice houses, you know. I think that's inaccurate, but well, aren't you picky? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Very picky. Uh, but uh, here's the thing: you were mentioning Texas Tech about yeah. like these games are always weird. I feel like no matter what the sport. Well, I mean, I think of like in particular like basketball and football because I just feel like Iowa State has kind of always been this team for Kansas and basketball where there's just always this one team that's pretty good 
always kind of lurking and they they have a great series and they're it's also the team you're most likely to be kind of upset by mm-hmm. and tech has kind of been that team for OU but uh, reading our columnist Clay Horning's uh, story for this Saturday's game day section it's kind of reminded that OU has avoided that team the last four years it just and that's how you win four straight Big 12 championships and it's they uh, the as we begin sort of another Big 12 season here it's like worth recognizing how impressive OU's run of conference championships is. They, there hasn't been I, – I think it's a good debate how good has the Big 12 been these last four years. Like Texas has been down, and Oklahoma State at times has – they've been kind of weird. This is an Oklahoma State of 2011 really where they've – I mean they've been good. I feel like 2017 Oklahoma State they probably were, could have dethroned OU. They could have I think without with, with, with without a Baker Mayfield type – Without Baker Mayfield, I think they do win that game, and then who knows really what happens from I there. Know. I mean, they nearly they lost almost, that game. They with, almost with did it with her. I know. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, that was a good football team, and I think maybe that losing that game because you remember they lost, to, I think, to Kansas State at home after that. I mean, the season was basically over. It all, was all your goals. You know that old down saying, the just like oh, all our goals are still in front of us. The they goals were, were behind them. <laughs> they were not. But I guess I'm just like, so, you, I don't know, you just think about like Big 12, there was a time the Big 12, like Nebraska, A&M, Texas is pretty good, Oklahoma State is like pretty good, not quite what they were in 2011, but some pretty good OSU teams. That was a tough league to win back then. I think it's a good debate on whether it's harder to win now than then, but I still am impressed by the run, four in a row, and five in a row is would be really impressive. So I just, it's kind of interesting that here they're about to play a team that has sort of been not a... Not a, uh, I was going to say bugaboo, but I hate that phrase. A bugaboo? Yeah. Uh, sort of like a thorn in their side, you know? Yeah. This is just a team that just gives them a little trouble. But OU has really avoided that team during this run with the exception of, like, one Iowa State game and, you know, some losses to Texas, which are definitely excusable. I don't know. I personally think that it's probably tougher to win it now than it was 10 years ago because mm. you have to face everyone. And I think there and is play somebody again. Uh, uh, yeah, and you have to you have to play. You basically, if if the way that we all see it kind of going right now, OU in Texas, if you want to win the conference, you're probably gonna have to play each other twice. And you're, I mean, OU worked out for them because they lost to Texas in the regular season, and beat them. But I mean, if OU's, I mean, if Texas, Texas basically, and I mean, they they would have had to, but like to get where they wanted to be, you had to beat OU twice last season. And that's just a, that's a tall task for either team to do is to beat that other team twice. I do think that there's probably been some years in the Big 12 and it's kind of like the SEC format, which is you don't have to see everyone and Alabama doesn't have to see Georgia every year. And I'm not trying to, you know, I think the SEC at the top is good. And I don't think that's I don't think that can go understated because I know that we like to crap on the bottom part of the conference, which is pretty mediocre and wouldn't make a difference if like a South Carolina was in the Big 12. They'd still be a bottom half team in either league, Mm -hmm. but you have some great teams at the top. The only difference is that Alabama and Georgia don't have to see each other until the first weekend of December. And I think that's what I'm not trying to say it makes that path easier, because it's, I mean, it's a high stakes game. I mean, your your whole season's basically riding on that one. With, How long have you been on the Big Twelve payroll? Just curious. For a while now, I actually came up with one true champion. I was, <laughs> it was in a meeting. I was eating some uh, 
some uh, canes and I was drinking a Natty Light hard seltzer. I was like, what about one true champion? And they're like, wow. All right, let's go home. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. Is the SEC slogan, it's just different? Is that the one? No, it means more. It, it means just more. it just means more. I think the Big 12 should come up with a slogan like, "It's we're just a little bit different. <laughs> Just kind of tell them that at your next meeting. Just kind of on the nose, but kind of sort of like vague. <laughs> like we're just we're just plodding along until 2025 when things are going to change again. Well, that reminds me. We're of, just plodding along the that, big life in the Big Twelve. That reminds me of like that cliche, like you know, like these guys are just built different. It's just, just what does that even mean? I mean, what does it mean? Built different? Like it? It's so strange of a saying, and I. Like, I kind of get it, but I don't like that I've just come to accept it. I think I should ask for more explanation. Like, well, how? How are they built different? But I do think that OU, I mean, like, the the, the best example I can think of is probably, I, I would love to know in that 2008 season, and this is some calling back, but I would love to know how OU does against that Kansas team that won an Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not saying that that game goes any different, but OU, you know, OU playing Missouri. Missouri was really highly touted. That was a huge year for the Missouri-Kansas rivalry just once upon a time. But just sounds like like a fantasy world. But Kansas was really good that year. Yeah, they were. They were good. It's just unbelievable to think they had that little, just that little space of, like, success there. Who was the quarterback? Reesing? Todd Reesing. Yeah. He was like a... I thought it was Todd Reesing. He was sort of like the... Not an attitude, but in size and sort of like moxie, on-field moxie, just like a spunk. He was like the Baker Mayfield of the of the Big 12 yeah. at the time, I feel like. Just a little guy that made big plays. But obviously, from what I remember, it didn't have – not the attitude. It was kind of – They also had a keep to leave, didn't they? I think that was around then. Okay. Probably right. But I'm just I saying not tell it, you anybody else. They, just had, they, were just a, they were just a good football team. It's just very difficult, I think, to have to play nine conference games and you mm-hmm. have to see the same teams every year. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to play one of them again. Yeah. It just, I, the, the one thing that I would... fascinating to see this year, too, with OU and Texas, because like, I think Texas is even better than last year. Definitely. I was going to say the last time we spoke... Although just injury riddled right now. Yeah, I was going to say That's... the last time we spoke, Texas was heading into their game against Oklahoma State and just, you know... Beat the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys. I mean, I feel like Oklahoma State showed a lot of good things in that game. About Spencer Sanders is. I mean, he looks like he's going to be really good. Uh, Are they that well coached though? Like, I still wonder about them. They've just penalties have been a problem for them in the past couple yeah. years. They can't win big games at home. And then I guess what I'm getting to is the fake field goal call, just botching it and not being prepared for it. It just seems like execution has really eluded Mike Gundy teams. Not very disciplined. Yeah, and then just to, they they don't win games they're supposed to. Then they'll kind of oh out of nowhere, kind of a win a big one. It just to me it smacks of a team that just has not been that well coached. That's a big charge against somebody like Mike Gundy who wins a lot of games, you know, over this period that it's been. But like it just seems like that part's been missing. And when you watch that fake field goal go so poorly, you kind of wonder like what's what are we doing, guys? It's just a very it's a very hot and cold team. It's a hot and cold world, though. Most, most definitely. Well, Tyler, um, some sad news today. The sad news this morning, uh, Taco Collins died, and that's a guy that uh, a lot of people have probably seen at Big 12 events, even if they didn't know his name. Uh, he was 
very close to the OU family. A softball season ticket holder for what I would expect is a long time. And uh, he was, to kind of explain his role, he was a liaison for the Big 12 at events uh, who would work not just with OU, but he, for instance, he would moderate all the OU baseball press conferences, or not OU baseball, the Big 12 baseball press conferences at the Big 12 tournament in Oklahoma City. He would do that. He would, um, it was sort of a volunteer extraordinaire, and he's been battling cancer, and uh, he died this morning, and we just want to give uh, a tribute to Taco, uh, who's a great guy, and, um, you know, we're thinking about his family and the, those at OU that he was close to, and I just know he was just uh, seemed like a fabulous person. He was a great ambassador. I feel like for for OU and the Big Twelve, and uh, those are the people you want around. So um, it was very sad to hear about his passing this morning, and uh, we're thinking about all the people close to him. Very sad. Very well loved person. I mean, you go on social media, and people are you know talking about Taco and taking photos with him. Just um, overall great guy. But just wanted to. End the podcast by paying a little tribute uh, to Taco, and uh, we appreciate you all uh, for listening. Uh, We hope you guys have a good weekend. For Tyler Palmatier, my name is Joe Bettner, and we'll catch you next time.